Hello, I'm Daniel Snowman, and this is our sixth podcast about the London Philharmonic Choir, the LPC. This one is about changing time, where the LPC has been, where we are now, and where we're going. So, is the choir better or worse than it used to be? Have standards changed? It seems that we're doing more concerts now. So I think you're having to, I think we have to learn the music faster um, than we used to. My recollection of my first few years was that it was quite, quite a measured pace of, of work. And you worked solidly on one piece, then you did the concert, then you on the Sunday night, then you had the Monday off, and then you started the next one on the Wednesday. But it was much more even. Now I feel we do more concerts, so I think in that respect we work harder. I personally feel that the standard of the choir hasn't really changed. There are little fluctuations, yes, you know, you're... Um, the altos went through a spell when they seemed to be the ones that got picked on. There didn't seem to be the strength there that there had been. Now they're one of the strongest sections. That's one kind of change. Another has to do with talking to the conductor. I don't mean the chorus master, Freddie Jackson in the early days, Neville Creed nowadays, but the maestro who takes over the concert, Sir Adrian Bolt or whoever. I don't think you were allowed to talk to the conductor. Everything had to go through Freddie. No, I don't remember ever talking to the conductor. My stories with all the reputation. And I think maybe it's part of my generation or maybe it's just me, but um, I'm not going to be impressed just because somebody says that they're good. I, I need them to impress me. And that kind of behaviour, that kind of old school, so in charge, so confident, think that they can treat anyone in any way that they want to, doesn't go down. And even with Monsieur, who he, I, I was reading books, I used to work in a bookshop, um, it's saying that he was one of the last great maestros that's, that's left. And even with him, he doesn't, I don't think he sees people. He just sees the, 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 the instrument. And I find that frustrating. Although I respect him greatly, I still want to be um, respected, I suppose is the word, that I've given my contribution. and you know, that, w- that we're working together to achieve an, to, to achieve um, an aim. It's, it's one of the problems of the future, the fact that young people um, perhaps are not so ready to comply with authority. It comes back to choir discipline and turning up at rehearsals because at the end of the day, we have to give a performance with a professional orchestra for a paying audience. And you've got to reach a certain level which demands commitment and professionalism. And somebody's got to be in charge. And a choir is a body, it's not a group of individuals. I suppose this idea of the choir as a body really comes together, well, in concerts, obviously, but also when we go on tour. That's when everybody really gets to know everybody else, sometimes really well. 
There have been a lot of tours in recent years. We've been to Athens, to Lucerne, to Paris, to Rome, Dresden, the Czech Republic, you name it. And we've been further afield too. We did a tour recently to Kuala Lumpur and Australia. And it was Mrs. Solemnis in Australia right at the end of the tour. And we were exhausted having done four concerts in Kuala Lumpur. And the Mrs. Solemnis is one of the most fiendishly demanding pieces. It ever. is, it is. And we left the hotel in Kuala Lumpur at six in the morning. So those that got up at five did have a breakfast, but those that didn't get up at five didn't. We then flew to Perth, and we were told that there would be food at the concert hall. Well, there was, but it was a few sandwiches. And we then went straight into a piano rehearsal, having had very little sleep, a five-hour flight, and very little food. And we were not at our best. Neville, he looked at us and what was happening and eventually went round to the orchestral manager and said they have to have food and the the orchestral manager rang up a pizza hut or takeaway pizza place and and asked how many pizzas they could do um, because there were so many of us they needed something like 150 pizzas because there was the australian choir as well as us <laughs> And he ordered the pizzas from that pizza hut, and they only had about 40. So he went to the only other takeaway pizza in Perth and ordered their entire stock of pizzas. So if anybody in Perth wanted to take away pizza that night, they were not in luck. <laughs> That's a burst of the Missa Solemnis by Beethoven, the very work that the London Philharmonic Choir sang that night in Perth. There are more tours planned for the choir in the future. And, as I record this, in the more immediate future, the reopening of the Royal Festival Hall. The London Philharmonic Choir will be performing a specially commissioned work by one of its own members. Julian Anderson is one of our bases, but he's also one of the finest of today's younger generation of composers. The work to open the Festival Hall already has a title, um, and the title is Hallelujah. Well, if you're opening a hall, uh, it's a celebratory occasion, but I didn't want the piece to be too specifically tied to any one celebratory occasion. So the word Hallelujah is a generalized um, celebratory word, which can be adapted to any situation, it seems to me, except that obviously of a funeral or something. So in that case, um, I, I like the word anyway. I'd always had a plan to write a piece for chorus, possibly with orchestra, called Hallelujah, and using only that word in a variety of dialects and, and a variety of languages. Um, the origins of the word, meaning literally praise be to Jehovah, interest me very much um, because I'm half Jewish, and so that will play a role in it. Um, and I think that it offers a wide range of uh, possible singing styles, I would say, and I think th there will be several different kinds of singing for the choir to do in the work. Um, I think of the piece currently, and this may be quite misleading, as a very long crescendo, 
I think it's about 11 minutes long, and I think of it as, as, as growing very steadily in intensity from the beginning to the end in every way. Um, and the choir will intervene at certain points through this crescendo and, and cap the thing at the end, but I don't know more than, than that. I'm very delighted also to be working with Vladimir Rovsky on the project too, um, and Neville Creed and Matthew Rowe clearly knowing the choir personally well will affect the way I write. I mean, it'll affect the way I write technically, but it may affect the way I write musically as well. There may be one or two humorous references which would be lost possibly on anyone except me and one or two friends. The composer and London Philharmonic Choir bass, Julian Anderson. And by the time you hear this podcast, Julian will have completed his Hallelujah Chorus and will all know how it actually sounds.